What's new and what's happening in the fast-paced world of everyday professional life? We keep you up to speed on the daily hustle and grind of today's industry pros and what they may be up to after hours. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for tuning in to KMC Solutions Hustle and Grind podcast series. This is the second installation so far, and I'm thrilled to say that I'm joined by some absolutely awesome panelists here today. The title of today's episode is Going Beyond Ideas, Innovative Solutions for Recovery. Of course, we're about five months into the pandemic, at least here in Manila or the Philippines, and we're hoping to share some ideas really just to look at sort of how innovation projects can tackle some of the challenges that we're all up against and that COVID-19 has sort of brought to our businesses. As the largest flexible office space provider here in the Philippines, we're no strangers to the startup scene, and we're always in awe, really, of their resilience and their contribution that they're making to the betterment of society in shaping the new normal. So without further ado, I wanted to just quickly introduce our guest today. We have Marc Lepage from Asian Development Bank. We have Joseph DeLeon, and we also have Patrick Zulueta. And Mark, maybe we can start with you. Perhaps you can just give us a little bit of an introduction in terms of your role with ADB and anything else you feel is relevant. Sure. Thanks a lot, Tom. Much appreciated. I've joined the Asian Development Bank about two years ago. And the Asian Development Bank is probably uh, an organization that people listening to this podcast are fairly familiar with. We are a 50 years old organization that is supporting the financing of development infrastructure in Asia Pacific. So think about funding uh, airport, uh, roads, uh, train, metro stations, etc. In the Philippines, uh, we've signed last year a massive investment to support the train between uh, Manila and Clark. We are obviously doing a lot of digital and the bank for many years had sort of steadily investment into digital, both inside and outside the organization. But a few years ago, there was a realization that we needed to shift gear. And this was very much under the leadership of our current chief information officer, uh, Shirin Amid from Singapore. She's embarked the organization into a pretty massive digital transformation, which is captured into what we are calling the digital agenda. And from the get-go, in this digital agenda, she had set up a small unit that looks at experimenting with emerging technology. And this is what we're calling the sandbox program. And this is what I'm, I'm working on, basically getting firsthand experience with those emerging technologies. So pick your favorite, whether it's a blockchain, whether it's artificial intelligence, mixed reality or robotics. We're going beyond you know, reading about these, but actually implementing experiments with these technology with the ambition that once those become a little bit more mature, we're ready. Thank you very much, Mark. Perhaps, Joseph, you'd like to go next? Fantastic. Thanks, Tom. It is a privilege and a joy to be on this podcast with such great people. For myself, my name is Joseph DeLeon. I'm here today in my capacity as one of the founding members of Manila Angel Investors Network, which is the largest and most active angel network in the Philippines, and as a mentor to startups from all over the world, from Switzerland to Samoa. For my day job, I work for a small M&A advisory firm based out of the Philippines. Thank you very much. Excellent. And Patrick from APA.ph. Thanks, Tom. My name is Patrick Zolueta. I'm actually one of the co-founders of APA.ph. And we are a partner of Amazon, Google, as well as Azure in terms of cloud computing consulting. 
And what we really do is help companies with their digital transformation efforts and really accelerate that. And I believe it's a very opportune time. And the two gentlemen can provide you more insights with regards to the investment scene, as well as, of course, the fundamentals of the economy now, as well as, of course, the industry. But I might be able to provide some insight with regards to what technology can really bring to companies of any scale. Perfect. Thank you. I think, yeah, again, we've got some seasoned guests. And just to kick things off, and this is probably the understatement of the year, but COVID-19 has been hugely disruptive. And even the most robust companies out there have felt the impact. We all know there's a lot of uncertainty. Things could go on for some time yet. I'm keen to get a feel for what you guys feel the startups can be doing. Do you have any specific tips that you'd like to share with everybody today in terms of how these startups can make their businesses somewhat more resilient or any general tips that you'd like to share today? Sure, Tom. Thanks for that question. The first tip I would provide to startups as well as entrepreneurs is really to take advantage of digital innovation. So more than ever, digital adoption has really grown in the past decade. I've seen it growing brands such as Paymaya, DPI, as well as Kashalo here in the country. We've really seen that more people are going digital. But now, because of the pandemic, it's grown exponentially. And it's really important to reach out to your customers even more. It's a must to be technologically ready. And another uh, tip I would provide is to, of course, differentiate. Everyone in the industry is going through digital transformation and you might be offering a similar product, but that's fine. You don't need to be unique. I believe it's just a matter of making sure that you really show how you could provide more value versus your competitors. And that would mean maximizing AI, machine learning, all the other tools that technology can provide to be able to personalize your services, as well as really show your customers that you really care and you're more genuine versus your competitors. And lastly, uh, I think the two gentlemen would be happy with what I'm about to say. I think it's about maximizing opportunities as well. Get the support from the incubators, office spaces, support from KMC. My team actually won a hackathon before when we joined the ADB in one of their events. So maximize those opportunities. And of course, join the funding programs and investment programs of the Manila Angels Investment Network. You'll go so much farther if you're able to maximize all of the opportunities that are present today. Yeah, absolutely. Good time to have a war chest at hand for sure. But before we throw that same question, Patrick, where do you start? Like if you're a startup at the moment, you're listening to this podcast, you're keen to innovate, digitalize certain processes. How do you get started? I think it's all about solving problems and really breaking down what the problems of your primary customers are. Start from there. And then, of course, breaking down what are the biggest problems and challenges within your organization. And from there, you can see what automation, what digital transformation efforts have to be prioritized. So at least you have a frame of mind of what you have to do first. Thank you very much. That makes sense. Joseph, going back to the original question, would you care to shed any light on any other tips from an M&A perspective? Sure. And I think this is applicable, like you said, for M&A and startups. This situation is very democratic. It's hurting everybody. The people that you didn't think would go down are going down. No one's invincible. One of the things that became a very clear lesson is I think the first thing you have to do is pause. Don't panic. Take a step back and take a breath. It's horrible or getting worse, but panicking won't solve anything. So the first thing to do is take a breath and then assess your resources and what you have on stock so that you can better plan for what you want to do. And then as Patrick shared, the next thing is to actually clarify what your priorities are. So there's a lot of startups I've been advising and a lot of their growth plans have been put on hold. Same thing with my larger clients. 
they were expecting this year to be a bounce back banner year and it hasn't been. So what have they done? They've actually taken pause, gone back and recommitted their resources to doing other things such as their strategic planning or for some startups, updating and focusing the money instead of on sales, on app development so that they're embedding new features right now. Of course, some people don't have that luxury and some of them are really forced to have to pivot. They have to make a change to adapt to the changing environment. There's other stuff that's happening where you actually have to be aware that there are new opportunities where you have to adapt whatever core technology or core advantage you have just to get by. And sometimes that opens up new things. The theme that I've been sharing with my friends and clients is that in this new environment, it's not so much about disruption, but first taking advantage of the acceleration of the inevitable, right? So there's a lot of things that you're looking to happen next year that are actually happening right now because people don't have a choice. So everyone that was in e-commerce, e-learning, e-whatever, suddenly they're front and center and maybe they were caught by surprise a little bit. And again, as Patrick highlighted, the other two P's in the framework would be sometimes you have to look at partnerships. Look at the advantages and assets you have outside your own organization and take advantage of that, whether that's collaborating with other startups so you can go to market together, joining forces, or going back to your earlier investors and then reapproaching the conversation again and saying, hey, things are bad right now, but it's not always going to be this way. Where can we pick up this conversation again? And then for some circumstances, it's too tough. And the thing to do is to park the business, hibernate, and wait till the situation changes. If, for example, you were in travel and hospitality, very difficult to pivot out of. So the smart play is to trim the fat and park the resources and try to engage the people that matter and say, you know what, thank you for being part of this journey. It is not over, but we have to take a rest at the moment. The thing that is more dangerous than losing money is to lose hope. Because when you lose hope, then you don't get a second chance. I like that. Very nice. Mark, what would you add to that? Obviously, it's a bit unfair speaking third, but anything else that you'd like to add? For sure. No, no, absolutely. The Asian Development Bank is an organization that sort of typically and traditionally doesn't have a strong engagement with startup. We are providing massive financing to governments in the region. Just to illustrate our current commitment to government in the region in terms of direct funding, whether loan or grant, it's to the tune of $20 billion. This goes into health, into direct budget support, etc. But we had in the pipeline or you know, already in place two main modalities to, to engage with startup. One is ADB Venture, which was just officially launched a couple of months ago. And it's basically an investment fund that looks at making equity investments in clean tech, agri-tech, fintech, and health tech companies. Obviously, this is a fund that is in high demand right now, and there's some repivoting towards COVID-19 response. And a lot of the startup could look at ADB Ventures as an opportunity when it comes to impact investment. We also have uh, under ADB Ventures a, a seed program where startup can go to where they would receive grant funding for market validation in the region. Uh, it's really about de-risking potential investment that they would be making. ADB Venture also has the Labs program, which matches demand for impact technology with best-in-class technology companies from around the world. So it's really to uncover seed and fund investment opportunity. So there's this trajectory that was admittedly in the pipeline before the COVID-19 crisis, 
uh, has shifted gear dramatically. From the part that I'm working more directly with the Sandbox program, we've also launched a trajectory around seeking solutions from startup on a variety of problems that needs to be addressed differently given the situation. So in areas that are at the center of what ADB does, whether it's economic development, health, education, or public service delivery, there's a need to reinvent things and digital can play a massive role in that. And there, we're also offering uh, seed funding for startups that either have something in the pipeline in the shop or are in the process of pivoting. Thank you very much. It's great, guys. Really appreciate everybody's input there. Joseph, I'm just going to pick up on something that you mentioned. You were talking a little bit, and then this was in terms of like partnerships and potential mergers or acquisitions. I mean, you touched on it already. What industries do you think that startups should really be going after, aside from the obvious, I suppose? So have you seen any particular opportunities in one sector? I think from a sector perspective, it's a tough call because everything is in flux. I think as innovators, you have to go back to the basics and look at, A, what problem can you solve right now? B, can you solve it better than anyone else? And C, if not, what do you have to change so that you can do it? So earlier I was talking about, obviously, the fundamental trends that this situation is accelerating the inevitable, that anything that starts with an E and was distance-related has become suddenly very popular and urgent. So I've been working with a number of fintechs that are in the platform space, and they are finding, for example, in remittances that the adoption rate has just gone through the roof. There have been, on the other hand, one of the startups that I'm working with and that we invested in, Bookie, has pivoted and is now evolving from becoming a lifestyle discount platform to having a digital back-end ordering system for their clients, which is something they had in the pipeline as a nice to have farther down the line, but smartly they've looked at it, saw the opportunity, said, you know what, let's prioritize this first. And so now I'm helping connect them with some of my other clients so that they can fast track their growth in that area. And at the same time, help my clients. So it's a nice synergy. It's a win-win for everybody. Obviously, if you're in the healthcare business, sanitation, those are obviously the particularly popular ones. But I think people are also forgetting the back to basics elements. So there's a number of friends of mine who are very experienced startup founders and very quickly they've pivoted. And I'd like to give a shout out to Jerry and Audrey who founded and started Frozen Manila, which basically saved my life. They brought home the bacon for me when I couldn't go out and get bacon for myself. So (laughs) that is something they've pivoted very quickly and has actually become part of my new lifestyle. And so there are opportunities like that that are available all the time. Not that it's easy to implement in this country sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we can stop trying to innovate. I know Patrick was on tenderhooks listening to your response there. So Patrick, over to you. Any specific industries that have caught your eye? Well, I am agreeing with Joseph here. Fintechs are not just on the rise, but they're growing massively. And all of them are in hyper growth now. It's a really opportune time to be in the finance space. But besides that, AI and machine learning are very, very interesting industries to be part of. I don't think I need to say it anymore. Healthcare tech is, of course, a must. And it's all about listening to what your audience and what your country really needs. So I'm sure you have partners from across the globe. It could be different in your country versus, for example, the Philippines. And if we want to see best practices abroad, one of the mistakes which I've seen startups commit is trying to 
copy or try to follow what the first world countries have been doing, but uh, we don't have to go too far, see what Malaysia, Vietnam, Indonesia, similar countries and ecosystems have done and seeing how we can do it better here that might be more applicable versus first world, for example. I think one of the other things we had to do from our perspective is broaden our mindset. So instead of just looking at what sector we should be playing in, also consider what geography you should be playing in. If you have a great solution that doesn't work in the Philippines right now, then what have you got to lose by trying to bring it outside of the Philippines? Right now, I'm actually helping a startup out of Cambodia that's in the payment platform space. And we're in discussions to try and help bring them out to the rest of ASEAN. That's the kind of boldness that I'd love to see more of here at home. Go big or go home, right? Actually, I was just going to segue nicely to Mark. Obviously, you're dialing in from the comfort of your home in the south of France, and we're all green with envy, I'm sure. The discussion around industries, I mean, you're back in France, but you've also got, I'm sure, a, a very good oversight regionally here in Asia Pac. You think that it's pretty similar in the Philippines to other parts of the world? Yes, well, what we've seen so far is that there's some variations, but it definitely affected each and every country in very similar way. While it seemed that there were some difference in not only handling the crisis, but the sort of plant side effects of the crisis initially, there's now more sort of cooperation and coordination of the response. So I think at this point, it's a little bit too early to say, whether there's going to be winners and losers on this more than others. I mean, everybody's losing, let's be clear. But it's now sort of equalizing from what we're seeing, for sure. And this is also part of that uncertainty that we're dealing with, where digital can play a role in terms of being more nimble and flexible. And that is where we will probably see variation from one, if not country to the other, but from one region to the other. Asian Development Bank is having, we are having a pretty broad definition of Asia. We cover Armenia, Georgia, all the way to the Pacific Islands with five different regional blocks. And there you see differences in the response. But in terms of reaction, clearly all the regions are seeing digital as a way to get, if not completely out of the crisis, but at least to provide some relief. Uh, But there will be some variation there. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Mark, perhaps we'll just stay with you for a moment. You talked about some of the initiatives that ADB were running. I was just wondering, maybe you'd like to just touch on that a little bit further and potentially provide a little bit of insight in terms of if a startup approaches you, how best to pitch their business at the moment to potential investors? Is there anything that is really standing out for you guys at the moment? Sure. And there's different uh, mechanisms to do this. So first from the Sandbox program, one of the way that we're currently directly sourcing solution is around our open innovation platform. So for listeners out there, founders or others, if you go to challenges.adb.org, you'll find a list of ongoing challenges where we're basically putting resources on the table. And those resources are beyond the financial that is offered, but it's really tapping the ADB network to have an opportunity to pilot test a solution that's either in the making or that's already been tested in a different context. We're looking for a solution, for example, to illustrate this around how do we measure safeguards. This is a very important area of ADB's work to make sure that when we are planning for a project, say uh, building a dam or an airport and all this, the environmental and human impact of population is minimized 
and that we are carefully looking into this. Well, right now we can't send people on the ground. So how do we do this remotely? And there's a combination of technology that could potentially use. So we're looking for a solution around that. Uh, we're also looking for sort of new business uh, model that would be supported by digital. Say if you're a mid-side organization, whether it's public or private, and you need to put in place plans for your employees to return to work progressively, how can technology play a role into that? So we've got a number of those challenges that are listed on challenges.adb.org and your listener will find them. Get in touch directly, digital at adb.org. Drop us a line. I spend a lot of my time listening to a pitch from startup, university R&D, or even R&D department of large organization. And we're always interested to see whether there's a match and whether it's something that you know, we can co-invest, build a proof of concept with the organization that's on the other side. We need that influx of idea. This is true across the board, but even more so in, in digital. Fantastic. How about you, uh, Joseph? What's exciting you at the moment in terms of these startup companies? Is there anything that's really catching your eye right now? Sure. I think I'll answer the same question as Mark in terms of how do you get in touch with us if you want to throw us a pitch, right? So for Manila Angel Investors Network, we invest in startups that are past MVP. They've got a minimum viable product and they have initial customer so that we know that your proof of concept works. And if you have those, then we're very happy to listen to your pitch and just send an email with your deck to pitch at main.ph. The other thing that I'd like to get across is that we've recently successfully earned a partnership grant with investing in women. And so we are moving forward with aggressively supporting and helping female founders in the country to help improve the success rate for our startups overall, because female founders have been statistically proven to be deliver better results than us lazy men. And that's something that we are very committed to doing. So if you are a female funder out there, please reach out. And if you're not ready for investment, we are making extra efforts to provide mentoring. The other arena that I think if you're a startup that you should do is do try to get yourself profiled in the right places. Besides being a founding member of Manila Angel Investors Network, I'm also a scout for AWS. And I'm also working closely with the German Accelerator Program and seed stars. So if you apply to these contests and we notice you, then that's one of the great ways for you to get into the pipeline. So while you are in this incubation phase, do consider making the investment in terms of preparing your pitch and going out there to try and win some competitions because it is one of the easier ways for us to find and source quality deals. The other side of it, of course, is we don't like to see startups that only do pitches and don't end up doing any work only uh, taking money from contest. So do try to find the right balance for that. Understood. Thank you very much. Patrick, I accept this might be a slightly different angle for you with Appa.ph, but was there something that you found particularly worked when it was time to seek investment opportunities? Sure. I think that's a very opportunistic question nowadays. And that's something which not only the Philippines, but other countries within the region are having challenges with. 
with regards to seed rounds and funding. And I think Joseph will agree with the fact that it's quite a difficult time right now. But along the lines of what Joseph mentioned and uh, opportunities which I believe the ADB has out there, which I mentioned, I think it's about listening to what is available out there and really trying to take advantage of all the opportunities, whether it's a hackathon, whether it's a pitch, or whether it's just speaking to uh, the individuals from the cloud computing partners. So Joseph is a solutions finder with AWS and Apper is a partner of AWS. And I'm aware that if you don't need funding in terms of seed round, but if you need support in terms of credits or IT infrastructure type of um, help from the global providers, then AWS is looking into hyper growth companies and they are willing to invest in the future of these companies. So if you have a unique idea, you need help in terms of making sure your IT infrastructure is built in a cost-efficient manner, then these global providers are actually listening. And if you need assistance as well in terms of scaling and you don't know what to do, you don't have a CTO, then companies such as Apper can actually assist in that front. Fantastic. Very, very helpful, everybody, actually. This next question, so I appreciate that this is pretty vague and I'm deliberately going to keep it that way because hopefully then our listeners will get a few different answers to the sort of same question. So let's start with Patrick. What are your predictions on how the startup ecosystem will look, um, let's say, six, 12 months from now? Sure. Thanks for that question, Tom. It's quite a difficult one. It's a challenge for me to go first with this. It's a very opinionated one, but I'll take a crack at it. If you asked me this question Q4 last year, my answer would actually be massively different. But we're bound to see more startups really going into the logistics space, retail space, and of course, the delivery front. So there are a lot of startups that have actually received funding recently, despite the pandemic, when it came to really providing easier access and democratizing access to more retail products in a digitized manner. So I think that's something that will really be prevalent, not only for the next six to eight months, but probably the next 12 to 18 months for that matter. I think that it's really going to be a consistent trend. I believe fintechs would continue to sprout and grow. And uh, it's good that fintechs are actually working closely with the government. The government has provided sandbox approach as well, similar to the ADB in terms of seeing how they can govern as well as support how startups and fintechs are providing access to credit, providing access to digital payments and the like. And I definitely see that there's still a huge space in the Philippines for companies to really thrive in this industry. And hopefully... This is something that uh, more of the local companies can take advantage of. I don't want to say very sensitive topic, but the Chinese have really dominated the payments and fintech space in the country. So I'm challenging more of the founders to really stand up and really provide more innovation. So a shout out to Ir Valencia as well as the other founders which have started some unique fintechs which can really help the country. But besides that, I think those are the prevalent themes that will be present for the next 12 to 18 months. Thank you. Well said, Patrick. And I'm sure they'll appreciate the shout outs. Joseph, would you like to add anything or perhaps you have a different angle you'd like to quickly touch on? I wouldn't because of the risk, um, but, <laughs> but I will say this with the caveat that there's obviously a chance that I'm going to be 100% wrong. I anticipate that a year from now, there will be no room for the mediocre. There will be on the one side, a flight to security and proven solutions that'll end up dominating the landscape on the high end. And there will be on the bottom end, 
a blossoming of a thousand great ideas of people trying to solve their way out of different kinds of problems. I believe that if you are going to go out there to the market to be a me too solution without a key advantage, my recommendation is don't bother. Try to come out there with some key advantage, either in terms of your technology, your relationships, or your insights, because there will be a lot of blood in the water because there's just not enough. There's a lot of capital that's still available, but it's not, the checks aren't coming out as easily as they used to be. So those guys that are just a me too solution and have a strategy of hoping for the best or being a copycat, I'm generally hard pressed to see how they'll be succeeding in the next few months. The people that are getting funding now, and there are people getting funding now, are coming out there with something that is either A, strategically superior to what's available in the market, or B, coming at it from a unique angle, or C, solving a problem that needs solving and hasn't been addressed before. So I think if you're not doing anything like that and you're just trying to tag along and take a punt, it'll be tough. That's awesome. I mean, simple message, be the best or do something else. Like really look at that sort of blue ocean strategy as opposed to sort of copycatting something else, unless you really feel you've got some additional value that you could add the end users there. So Tom, but that being said, I do want to let people know that if you have a great idea and if you have other friends and other people you want to work with who are willing to take that risk, this is a wonderful time to do it because everyone is starting from ground zero again. And some of the biggest startups that we've seen today were actually born from the last great financial crisis. And this is another opportunity for you guys to take that risk. So I do believe that there's no room for the mediocre. But that being said, sometimes you just have to start and then build towards it. So if you were recently laid off, and you still have some capital to invest before you run to get another job. Take a step back and figure out what you really want. Do you want to go back to that corporate life where your future is at the hands of somebody else? Or have you got what it takes to really chart your own course? And can you inspire other people to rally around you? So one of the things that we've learned as investors is we have a bias towards investing in teams because no matter how passionate the individual if they're doing it by themselves, it's a hard journey. The, the climb to success is very long and it's very lonely. So it's easier to do it when you're working with other equally passionate and committed people. And again, now is a time where everyone's got a reset. So take advantage. Absolutely. At the moment, I believe the latest figures were around 7.3 million displaced or unemployed. So no guarantees that you're just going to fall into a job I think it's the highest that I've heard of in Manila since I came over about 15 years ago. So again, if you are in that startup scene or you are in a growth industry, it's never been easier to hire here in the Philippines. There's some amazing talent out there that you know they've been displaced through no fault of their own. So again, just to really add to what you were saying, Joseph, talent-wise, again, really good timing at the moment. Yeah, but just don't get into it for the hell of it. Like If you're going to get it, do it to win. And do it not just to win your neighborhood market or your local market. We have the chance to actually rebuild and not just bounce back for the local economy, but to become a regional player. 
startups deliver an outsized impact to the local economy because that's the area where new solutions are being made. So if you have a unique insight and unique talent set, go for it. Great advice. Thank you very much. How about you, Mark? Anything uh, you'd like to voice in terms of your predictions for startup ecosystem? Thanks. It's hard to come after those very good uh, replies. <laughs> but every so often, there are products brought to market that appeal directly to, well, no one. And I think and I hope really that this crisis will see the end of that. There was a time where some regions, not naming any particular one, were flush with money. And I hope that the crisis will you know, really bring some sanity to that. And obviously, from my work and my professional experience with uh, impact investing, I hope we'll see much more sustainable investment in clean tech, agri-tech, fintech, and health tech companies. Those are they're already happening, and it, it's great, but they're often underestimated in terms of making not only a difference in society, but also being very good business models by those potential founders that are out there. So I hope there will be more of that in around circular economic and sustainable development, where I think there's a tremendous opportunity to, again, good business and make a change in the society. Fantastic. Wonderful. I think this is an opportune time to say thank you very much to Joseph, Patrick, and Mark. I'm looking forward to catching up with you all once this pandemic has blown over a little bit. On behalf of KMC, very much appreciate everybody listening in and the great conversation we've had today. So thank you very much, everybody. The Hustle and Grind podcast is brought to you by KMC Solutions. For flexible workspace and workforce solutions, you may visit our page at kmc.solutions or email us at hello at kmc.solutions.